Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down with Ruth Husko and it is such a great chat. When I got sent Ruth's list over, I was saying to myself, let the guest talk, let the guest talk, don't get overexcited. She's chose so many absolute record, absolute cracking records that have been kind of important in my life as well. And I've got loads of stories about them records. So I had to, I, I eke a few out. I can't help it. I can't control myself because the, the records are so good. Um, the last track... I guarantee none of you have ever heard that before, 100%. Um, and I guess that's kind of where we're going with a question, something you haven't heard before. You have not heard this before. If you have, message me because I've absolutely no idea why you would ever have heard this record. Um, Ruth's fantastic. You, you, you're going to absolutely love her. We had such a such a crack as well. And uh, and I can't wait for you to hear this episode. Before we, we get chatting... Um, a few thank yous. I want to thank Scroobius Pip and everyone over on the Distraction Pieces Network. There's some amazing podcasts over there. Um, go check them out. Um, if you've not heard Brett Goldstein's Films to be Buried with, go check that out. It's a wonderful, wonderful podcast. Obviously, Mr. Pip, the podfather himself, um, is still banging out the best of the best when it comes to podcasting. And uh, and yeah, and there's plenty more over there. I won't list them all off because there's, uh, there's a fair old few, but they're all ace. Um, I'd like to thank the team at the Blue Murder Club podcast. Uh, they produce this episode, so um, huge thanks to them. Go check them out if you like your true crime. Go check out the Blue Murder Club podcast. Um, big thanks always to you lot for listening. Thank you ever so much for supporting this podcast now. We're fast approaching four years now and nearly 500 episodes, and it's just great. You know, I never get bored of doing this. I've literally just pressed stop on today's chat with, with Ruth and I'm beaming. We had such a laugh and, you know, got to speak about great records, you know, passionately and like, what better thing is there to do? Chat to a, an interesting creative person about records. Wonderful. That, my friend, is a good time. And that is what you've got coming up very soon. Um, And then when you get to the end of today's episode, why not go and have a look in the archives if you've not done so? Because, as I just mentioned, there's nearly 500 episodes. And, well, if you like your comedy, then you can hear me talking to James Acaster, Ed Gamble, Maisie Adam, uh, Josh Weller. Um, oh, God. A real 
yeah, a real Rich Wilson, Marcus Birdman, um, stacks and stacks of of, of great comedians. Um, they're they're all over there to be enjoyed. Acting talent. I've been really really lucky to have spoke to um, the likes of David Duchovny. Um, of uh, who else have I had on? Blimey, Thomas Turgus, Joe Hartley. Uh, who else? Oh God, the list is at Maxine Peak for God's sake. That was an amazing chat. And then when it comes to music, I've had everybody. When it comes to the world of indie, and I've had some big rock royalty like Tommy Lee and Motley Crue and Foo Fighters and such, and big rave heroes and producers like Fatboy Slim, Butch Vig. They've all but they've all been on. And you can go and listen to them all for free wherever you get your podcasts. Um, if you'd like to support the podcast, then I'd ask you just give us a like, love, share, retweet on the socials. That'd all be great. Um, other than that, I'm just going to get on with it. Please enjoy today's episode of Off The Beat and Track Podcast with the delightful Ruth Husko. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Me, I'm recording, Ruth. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Sun's shining, and uh, and it's about to start a, a nice bank holiday. We're recording this on the fifth, and uh, yeah, we got a long a long weekend because something's happening. I'm not that fussed, but something's happening. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I live in central London, so I'm probably gonna. Oh, get mate, the... really? Yeah, get the brunt of it, I think. Oh. And it was the same when uh, the Queen died. It yeah. was all very, um, what's the word? <laughs> very committed people. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Like, I don't, I don't want to kind of get into it too much because some people really like all that. But uh, I remember, like, the Queen come to where I lived when I was about seven. And, uh, and we all got frog marched down to the side of the road and given these flags. And we just just stand there just waving flags at this car that went past. And I remember just thinking, like, why am I doing this? Like, <laughs> and I was, you know, I'm not suggesting I was particularly ahead of me time, but I was thinking at the time, it's like, it's bloody freezing. Like, why, <laughs> I, why am I at school? Why am I standing here waving a flag at a car? And I still don't get it now, 40, however many years later. That's good that the uh, the Queen came. The most famous person who came to Wensbury, where I'm from, was Eric Bristow. Came Mate, to I'd much rather have had that. The crafty Cockney turning up in your hometown. I'd be all over that. At the local Betfred, yeah. Signing autographs, <laughs> letting people have a chuck with him and everything. Now, I wasn't into darts then, so I didn't go down. It was literally like down the road from my parents' house. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm well into darts now, so yeah. I wish I'd gone because he's passed away, sadly, hasn't yeah. he? You still got you still got a few of the golden ones left, haven't you? Is Bobby George still floating about? I've met Bobby George, yeah. Bobby George is still going. Did I you get to shake the hand? Full full of full of full sovereigns. It must have been a hefty old clinch that. It was, and he's a real raconteur. I think does that mean what does raconteur mean? Look, tells good stories. Yeah, I think. definitely. He's a real raconteur and he did a little uh went to the circus tavern in Essex. Do you know that place? That's a, that's about five minutes from where I'm sitting there. <laughs> Are you joking? No, no way. Well, they could have told me it was a strip club as well, as oh, well yeah. as a, a venue. Roof. Right, check this out, right? This so when I was about twenty three, twenty-four they, it, there was two floors there, right? And so I think the darts was downstairs and the strip the strip club was upstairs. But prior to that, because throughout the sort of 80s, it was like proper 
old school entertainment. Shawaddy waddy playing, then you'd get the arrows. It was like you'd get everything. It was it was it was proper like Jim Jim Davidson would be there like regular. It was that kind of level of um of entertainment in the eighties. However, they turned it into a nightclub in uh, in the early nineties. Now check this out, right? You used to pay I think about a tenner to get in, which was quite a lot of money then. But guys and girls would get split up. The guys would go upstairs and the girls would go downstairs. They'd put on strippers for the guys upstairs and then they'd put on strippers for the girls downstairs. You'd have your kind of like split entertainment from like 10 till 11. Then at 11, they'd push you all together and bring out a buffet before the music. (laughs) (laughs) What's not to like? It's a tombola at the end, like a <laughs> raffle. That is amazing. So they send all the men up to, like, I assume, get an erection from the women. I and believe all the women that was the plan. Become <laughs> excited. Yeah. So I'll shag over the buffet at the end. Yeah, but the thing is, it's, it's really weird. I went to um, uh, a singles night when I, I worked on a building site like years ago, and I went to a singles night of a load of like, my, the fellas that I worked with that were older and divorced. And. Uh, and I was kind of probably about 20 years younger than everyone else that was there. And I was just sort of fascinated because I'd never been to anything like this. It was in Brentwood, home of Towie, but it was kind of pre, pre all of that. And uh, I think I was the only guy in there that had hair. It was, it was a really, <laughs> a really strange <laughs> setup. But someone said, oh, there's a swimming pool out there. And I was like, oh, can you have a swim? And they went, no, but there's a barbecue and it's free burgers. I'm quite greedy, I'm not going to lie, Ruth, but it was like, if I can go for a night out and there's lager and there's also free burgers all night, I'm happy there. I don't necessarily need to mingle. No, not at all. Well, when I left the Circus Tavern, I noticed that they were doing a night that was £20 all you can drink. Mm. So, you you know, that doesn't surprise me. Again, not averse to that myself. Mm. Probably want to go back and get involved. I mean, there's a cost of living crisis going on. That's what you can get. Why I'm, I'm a club promoter. Why am I not moving on the cost of living crisis by doing them kind of deals again? It makes sense. <laughs> so is your um, club near Perfleet then? You know, Pink Toothbrush, is it? Is yeah, that... that's about it's about mm, twenty five minutes sort of further out of London. Um, the, the toothbrush. Okay. Um, that's not like the Circus Tavern. We need to clarify that. <laughs> Well, maybe you should think about making it a bit more like the circus oh, table. Yeah, something a little bit blue for the mums and dads' early doors. Yeah, why not? <laughs> right, Ruth, thanks ever so much for coming on today. Um, I could I could talk about working men's clubs and uh, and, uh, and and yeah, that kind of mid mid eighties entertainment all day long. But we, we we may well touch on that when we get to your last track. But to start yeah. with, I want you to tell me the song, please, that you regard as having the greatest ever intro, please. So it's been this one for a long time for me. It's theme from Sparta FC by The Fall. That to me is the greatest ever intro. There were other ones I could have picked that I'll give notable mentions later because this was really hard. But when it comes to the greatest intro, this is bar none the best. Um, I'm a big Fall fan, but I wouldn't say that. I mean, they've got such an extensive back catalogue. It's very daunting. I saw somebody else describe it as daunting to think we've yeah. probably got like 76 albums and to go back as well. I didn't get into them until quite late. Like Sparta FC, that track is from 2004, I think. Um, so it's quite late on mm. fall. Um, and I got into them by watching. Do you remember that 
Joe show, Adam and Joe on Channel 4. Yeah, they course. did think all... Okay, great. So they, I was about 13. Um, I used to watch a lot of telly, and that will probably come through with some of these tracks that I'll talk about. But Adam and Joe did a thing called Vinyl Justice, where they would have a person on and they'd go through the record yeah. collection, and they had Marky e. Smith on. And I was like, sort of aware of the fall and aware of Marky e. Smith, because at the time I was really into the band XTC, mm. who were that sort of post-punk, you know, 70s stuff. So I used to go to record first to buy, like, all the XTC records, and you'd see, like, people trying to get full, big, you know, rare full collections. Yeah. used to buy Record Collector magazine, which is a bit of an odd thing for a 13-year-old girl to yeah. buy. I would see, you know, loads of stuff about the fall. So they always intrigued me, but I found... Marky e. Smith a bit frightening. Yeah. <laughs> and then when I saw him on Vinyl Justice, he's pissed. He's got a fag on. He like tries to beat up Adam and Joe. He puts a plastic bag over Joe's head. And I really liked him. Yeah. I thought I like I like the cut of this guy's jib. Yeah. So as well, like they played like a snippet of Ghost in the cover of Ghost in My House. Yeah. And that it just feels, it just felt like it was like oh like i love this straight away yeah. there's just something about that sound um and actually frank skinner got into the fall quite late as well and he said the first time he heard the fall it was like he'd been hearing the music playing in his head for the first time ever and that's how i feel about him um so the the intro is uh it's like a guitar bit, like, -na 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 -na. and then it's and then uh, Marky Smith shouts, "Hey!" And I just like, yeah. <laughs> I like songs. It's urgent, <laughs> like, isn't it? It's really urgent. Yeah, and I like that. And there's like drums. It's do 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 do. And I like any song where someone just shouts, "Hey!" Or yeah. you know, I like anything where there's like loads of banging drums and it's fast and I like urgency in songs. There are very few slow songs that I like. And yeah, with this one, it just gets straight into it. Yeah. I'll tell you what, there's, there's two things. I mean, what you just said there, thundering drums and then someone shouting, Hey, I presume, uh, uh, do you know new Rose by the damned? Yes. I mean, that's a perfect example of that. <laughs> yes, that because it's like, is she, is, it, is she really going? Yeah, and then it's like, yeah, anything like that. Like, another to give a notable mention to another song, I know we're talking about my favorite one, but you know, um, like Death from Above, um, Romantic Rights, and then yeah, you just love that. That full track. I don't know what come first, but can you hear the similarities between that and Helicopter by Block Party? Oh, do you know what? Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can. And uh, I think that that came first, definitely. Yeah. Helicopter by Block Party was... Do you know what? Actually, I don't know what came first. Thinking yeah, I, I, was, I, I think maybe Block Party was maybe 2006, seven, maybe. I don't know. Like, the second single, like... But uh, it's just got that. Yeah. Like, it's very similar guitar line, and uh, I'd never thought about that. That's so true. Like mm. I'm just, I'm trying to think. I used to work in Music Zone, if you remember that shop. Yeah. And Block Helicopter had just come out, so I'm trying to pair up the years, and it could be the same year because yeah. I used to work at Greg's. I left Greg's in 2004, and then I went to Music Zone, and I remember that Silent Alarm. Was yeah. That the album that mm -hmm. was uh, massive at the time. Mm. Um, but yeah, there is a similarity. That's mm. a great intro to Helicopter as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Solid choices. 
I'm going to ask you for your track two now, please, Ruth. And I'm going to ask you, please, to tell me the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please. So it is Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel. The emotional impact was one of fear. Has anyone ever said that they were scared? Because that came out um, probably I was about three. 86, 87, I think that came out. Yeah, I was about three. And um, it was really, like, I, I remember hearing, no, I, no, I saw the video first, sorry, because it had that really iconic video. Mm. And it was all like sort of, uh, it was Aardman animation and uh, plasticine and all that stuff. And um, I was scared by it because Peter, it's this like face front on and then all things are happening to his face. And I'm not a fan of like, uh, anything like that like body horror they call it in in films I don't mm. I don't like stuff like that and there's a bit where the plasticine him is hitting himself with hammers mm. and I was like oh god this is scary I don't like it so my mum used to have the radio on all the time when I was little local radio BRMB Beacon which is a black country one and um they would play this and I'd go turn it off just turn the radio off if they played sledgehammer just turn it off I was so scared but then um as I got older I, I don't even know what it was, I must have heard it again as I was older and thought, yeah. oh my God, I love this song's amazing. Yeah. Um, and Peter Gabriel's really nice. Like I was watching a Genesis documentary recently and I thought, yeah. what a nice man. Yeah. <laughs> Did you watch the uh, the Brian Pern thing that Simon Day yeah. done? And the fact that he even went past like at the end and made a cameo and it was so fucking cool. It was like, they've literally ripped the piss out of you for like yeah. however many episodes and you've just put your name to it as well. What what a dude. Yeah. Love him. Like, and he's, um, I was, I was looking into loads of stuff about him because I always found him like, um, and I'm more intrigued by things that scare me or disturb me. Yeah. And there's a bent to everything I like where I like it, but I'm like, Oh God, this is a bit weird. Mm. Um, and I was looking into loads of stuff about him and I remember seeing, the video for Digging in the Dirt, which I think won an award. And that's of an album called Us, where he's talking about like splitting up with his wife and, yeah. and therapy and stuff. So I'd always found him a bit of a, like a dark person. But then, yeah, he's, he's not really. Like, yeah. I mean, well, you know, maybe he is. But uh, I really love that. Sledgehammer's got to be one of my favourite songs. But I do remember the 80s was a bit of a weird and scary time to be a child. Um and I was exposed to a lot of telly and probably a lot of stuff I shouldn't have been watching that's probably yeah. disturbed me. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so uh, fear was the emotion, but I don't feel that anymore. I just feel I feel pure love for that song. It's great. It's uh, it's one of them songs, like, I'm, I'm 50, so I, I kind of would have heard that when I was about 14. And I remember thinking, like, it was great. And I had no idea he was in Genesis. I didn't really know too much about Genesis then and, and then as the sort of 80s got to a close, it was like, and the 90s started, it was like Genesis for this kind of dad rock band that you just, it was Phil Collins and that stuff wasn't cool anymore. And and it was only really a little after that, sort of going back and going, all oh, right, so he was in Genesis and then checking out, like, because like what you said, there, there was a video to, um, what's the song called, uh, In Your Wardrobe? I can't think what it's called. I know what it's like, In Your Wardrobe or whatever. And, and I remember seeing the video and it was, like Gabriel with these like massive like flowers on his head, like just jumping around like an absolute loon in like this kind of lycra cat suit. <laughs> and just thinking, fucking hell, that's mad. And it and it sounded really out there as well, and just being sort of drawn to it. And and I think one of the things that 
uh, you know, obviously Harry Styles covered Sledgehammer, you know, a year or so ago, and has turned it on mm-hmm. to like my kids listen to it now, and it's it's such a perfect pop record, a great intro as well. It's such a yes. sudden like start to a record, but I think one of the things that people constantly overlook is just how good Peter Gabriel's voice is. It's absolutely phenomenal. Right? This is this is the thing. When I went back and listened to it, I was like, I didn't realise how amazing he sounded. Yeah. How great it was. That's one of my favourite things about the track is how good his voice sounds. Yeah. I really, really enjoy that every time I listen to it. Yeah, that's so right. Love it. Love it. But I didn't know he was in Genesis either mm. until I went back and started looking. That's the thing with most of my musical choices. It's like I find out something you know, that was in the 70s or 80s. And then I go back, like um, Terry Hall is yeah. another example. I go back and find that stuff, um, which is great. You've got like yeah. a whole back catalogue to get into. There's a really weird thing about, um, like, because Terry Hall done so much stuff with so many different people. And it's, and it's easy just to kind of look back at the at the specials and, 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 and Fun Boy and Colourfield and stuff. He done something, I don't know if you have heard it, Around about eighty nine, he partnered up with Dave Stewart, the Eurythmics, and done this. Yeah, Vegas. Vegas, yeah. And there's a track by them. And I used to watch it. I used to record it on a VHS from like the chart show back back when I used to record this <laughs> bits of the chart show. And it was a track called Possessed, and it's fucking excellent. It's not on Spotify, but it's on YouTube. It's such a good tune. I am a huge Terry Hall fan, mm. um, and. Uh, I know every pretty much every side project yeah. is involved in, and um, yeah, Vegas. I, that's actually one I'd forgotten about. But I used to like, oh god, I've just uh, again, just collect things, collect everything you've ever done. He'd been in like he'd done like the Color Field, didn't he? Done from Boy Three. He'd done a thing with Tricky. That's and right. Nearly God, that was called, I think. Mm. Um, yeah, he's done stuff with Ian Brody and uh, Damon Albarn, and yeah, as well as his own solo stuff. Yeah. Yeah, he's um, sadly no longer with us. Mm. Um, but yeah, he's, yeah, love him so much. And I didn't find him a sort of frightening figure like uh, Peter Gabriel. I found him quite a cuddly, a cuddly figure. <laughs> Terry Hall. That's quite strange that you say that because I, I would have probably been about the age when you got freaked out by Peter Gabriel when I saw the video to Ghost Town when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. And and sonically as well, Ghost Hand sounds so fucking creepy, doesn't it? And I was yeah. just like, wow, what what is this? And then seeing him, like seeing like Neville and that all jumping around in the in the thing, but he's pretty static, isn't he? And he's just yeah. doing, he's just being Terry Hill. He's sort of scowling at the camera, just completely deadpan. And it's just, he unnerved me, like when I see sort of early, sort of, I suppose it was just that video and that song. But that was like one of the first records. That's the first record I ever put on on a jukebox. I was in Yarmouth and I remember my dad gave me 5p and I put that on. And so I wanted to listen to Ghost Town by the specials. And yeah, he was, uh, he was just a legend, Terry Hall. Like he come to, he come to the, he come to me club, he come and DJ at the toothbrush and he was just a, an absolute diamond, just such a lovely guy. And, and I think he was, he just knew music. And I think there was a lot of kind of two-tone fans turning up just to ex- you know, expect him to come on and just play the beat and the selector and stuff like that. He started with Bowie and he just went all over the place and it was like, that's what you want from a DJ. Like, somebody that's like, yes, he kind of cut his teeth with a two-tone thing, but like, he's done so much stuff and and that kind of was really reflective in his, his DJ set as well. Yeah, oh, what an absolute ledge. He's really, um like, uh, sorry, I'm going on too much about Terry Hall, but he's really dry, he's really dry and really witty. Like, one of the things I really like is, like, witty and funny lyrics and he just kept that through the whole yeah. his uh, career. Absolutely. So, 
black country, that's where you grew up, yeah? Yeah. And uh, and how was that? Nice place to grow up? From memories? Uh, no, 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 not really. Like, um, it was... Uh... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. Black Country is like very industry based, like loads of factories that all sort of got closed down. All my family, like my dad is, was like, worked in a factory. And my mom, actually just everyone worked in a factory and there were loads of pubs. I think at one point I looked up where I was born and there were 125 pubs in a very small place, wow. um, like within that area. But now there's probably like five. There was nothing, sort of nothing happening. I'd say it's a very deprived area. Um, and yeah, just... Not much to do, and uh, I think there was no sort of like uh, it was all about sort of grafting. There was no sort of encouragement of being yeah. creative. I mean, maybe it's different now. I don't know, but um, it was all about sort of going to work, coming home, and, and that was it. Um, yeah, so just quite a like a, I'd say a bit of a gritty upbringing. Sure. So, how musical was it? Was 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 the music on at home? yeah so there was like we had some I remember we had some um vinyls we had like a Bob Marley greatest hits vinyl we had a Thompson twins vinyl and my mum had got loads of old vinyls from uh you know 60s and 70s and the radio was always on when I was getting ready for school and another song that I sort of felt an emotion for was Little China Girl by David Bowie because that would always be playing and little you know being a little child I was just like really intrigued by it uh we'd always have Top of the Pops on um and my dad as well my dad my mum and dad split up when I was little but when my dad lived with us he would sit in the back room and play a tape and it would have things on it like centerfold two four six eight two four uh what else it had like and then it had, he'd have like a randy crawford yeah. album oh and he had kate bush the whole story vinyl yeah. so all that sort of stuff would be going on but my parents weren't musical it was just sort of you know it was going on in the background yeah 
I'll tell you what, you mentioned Randy Crawford. I'll, I'll do a, I'll do a once-a-month podcast with um, a kind of, sort of stand-up, he's not a stand-up, he's a musician, comedian called Cunt in the Gang. And, oh, um, I know them, they're great. I've right. seen them live, yeah. <laughs> That's my yeah. best mate. So we, we've been friends since we were... We, we, we were five. We met at Cubs when we were little boys, and oh, that's uh, cute. and we do this <laughs> retrospective podcast once a month where we go back forty years uh, to the month and we talk about Top of the Pops and what was on it and stuff like that. And Randy Crawford was on it, um, and and we'd had too much to drink by the time we finished recording the podcast, and we was listening to Randy Crawford, and it was just pathetic. There was just two fifty-year-old men just getting a bit welling up, just listening yeah. to Randy Crawford because her voice is. Unreal! It's absolutely unreal. We started off having a little sort of dance around the street life, and before you know it, we're just sitting there crying into our pints, listening to One Day I'll Fly Away, and it's like, oh God, goosebumps talking about it. Oh. Yeah, One Day I'll Fly Away. Like, well, my dad would sit like with a glass of whiskey in the back room, uh, going, "Oh, I'm, I'm going to do that one day. I'm going to fly away." He's like, "Dad, just stop. It's a song." I've done um, that Monday night roof. <laughs> <laughs> But what, yeah, what a voice on Street Life on One Day Off Her Way. Like, yeah. oh, my God, yeah. She was a constant sort of yeah. growing up, yeah. Okay, let's talk school. Tell me the song that reminds you of your time at school, please, Ruth. So there was many I could choose again, but I went for No, No, No by Dawn Penn. Okay. So around that time, I would have been about nine, I think. And there was a real, do you remember this? There was a real, around sort of 1992, there was like a real reggae, it was called Ragga in Smash Hits. They said, there's a new thing in music, it's called yeah. Ragga. And in Smash Hits, it was like, how to do the Dutty Wine, how to do the Bogle, how to do the Butterfly. I'm nine. Like, and I'm thinking, I've got to learn. <laughs> I've got to learn to do these dances. Okay. <laughs> so, um, all, and then around that time, there was all, there was Chakademus and Pliers, CJ Lewis, Bitty McLean, Shabaranks. Shaggy, uh, Shaggy just come through then as well. Shaggy, oh, Carolina, that mm. was, a, yeah, that was big. Um, yeah, so, so many tracks like that. And the reason I've picked Shy Guy is because, not Shy Guy, that's a, you cut that bit. <laughs> the reason I've picked, that's another song. The reason I've picked uh, Dawn Penn is because me and my uh, friend Shabnam, best friends at school, we used to go to a youth club called the Mouse Hole in Darlington and it'd been put on for give the kids something to do after school. Sure. And you would go and there was like a tuck shop and uh, there was a pool table and there was an activity room that just had like an exercise bike in it. It was an empty room with an exercise bike and you could go after school from like six till eight. And it was always silent until one day we went in and we were like, oh, they've got music. There was music and there were, there was, a, there was like a first track that came on was something called Get Away by Max, who were like a duo, like around that time. And then the next track was No, No, No by Dawn Penn. But they were the only two tracks they got. So they just went in a loop for like two hours every time we were there. So, you know, that no, 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 just mm. kept coming round. And it just really reminds me of that time. Yeah. Um, and that sort of, yeah, that's that sort of resurgence of, of those old sort yeah. of dancehall songs. Yeah. I love that song. And, Do you? Uh, I, uh, right. I've, I've got this weird attachment to it, right? And uh, I'd, I'd, apart from the toothbrush, I, do an, I used to do another little night for 10 years in, 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 um, in East London. And... Uh, and what I would do, I would never really sort of DJ much, but I'd always do the first hour. And 
the guy that I used to run the night with is a podcast also with his Pip, and he'd be like, "I know him, right?" Yeah. And so Pip would be like, oh, "Okay, when it gets to when it gets to ten, I'll, I'll, I won't need to look at me watch. I know what's happening." And it was always I play Dawn Pen as my last record, and the minute he's got a great intro, it's like da 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 da, da and then it drops out, and uh, and he's like, "Yeah." So I'm, I'm constantly whenever Pip mentions mere music, he's like, "Yeah, Dawn Pen." Like, because that was my my signature tune at our club night for 10 years so it's an absolute cracker and i tell you what there's a performance of it lee thompson from madness um goes out as the lee thompson scar orchestra and uh and bizarrely you just mentioned him he'd done a, a fantastic track with bitty mclean and uh oh, about yeah. five years ago but when i see him live occasionally if she's over he'll perform that with Dawn Penn and she, oh, her voice is still unreal. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a tune. It's what, and it is probably like, I didn't really enjoy going to school. So that is one I look back with, with fondness. Yeah. Um, that tune, definitely. Oh, I'm glad you like it. I'm glad you sing it a tune. Do you look back fondly on school? Not at all. No, I hated it. Like I used to um, wag it. We call it in the black country, wagging it, which is skiving, I yeah. suppose. Um, as soon as I was sort of old enough to wag it, I started wagging it yeah. because I just, um, I was kind of like, um, I was listening to the Nick Helm one you did actually, and he talks about sort of being different at school. And I was just like, I was just different. Like I was, I looked different. Like I was bigger than the other girls. I was taller. I had like, I wasn't really, I was really interested in music and comedy and I wasn't interested in sports. I was really bad at sport. There and wouldn't have been many 13-year-olds buying record collector. <laughs> no exactly <chance>. that. <laughs> so that's the thing. I might touch on and talk about, well, maybe I'll touch on it now, but I didn't have friends who were into the same music as me. So it felt like you were either into um, Peter Andre Hansen, you know, that sort of stuff, take that. And I tried to get into take that when I was in primary school, but I was like, I was doing it just because... Everybody liked take that, sure. even though even though I do think pray is what a tune. But anyway, um, and then there was like so there was that group of people, and then there were people who just listened to like hard like like or like trance. There was like trance around what Radio One would play, and yeah. or they'd listen to like bootleg things. And then you'd be into either rock like metal, like it was um, new metal, so it was corn. You know, Limp Bizkit. This one was a bit yeah. older just absolute shite in my opinion although you can probably i can probably pick out a few tunes that i quite yeah. like and there was there was no one who like i wanted to go to gigs first gig i ever went to was terrorvision when i was about 14 so i think they're a great band are they from birmingham no they're from leeds leeds yeah and i went to see space who were from liverpool that yep. was another one but i had to my mom would go well you can go but you have to take someone with you and i'd have to like convince my friends who weren't into that music at all yeah. i think you were not enjoying this yeah. so it was just it was just a bit of a i just felt like i, I just didn't want to be there really and i found it i found it um I, I thought this is a long time eight till three eight till three thirty this is a long time for me to sit in one place doing something i don't like sure. <laughs> more often than not i would wag it and then I would go back home and I would listen to Radio 1 when Mark and Lard were on, yeah. Mark Ragnarok and uh, Mark Riley. Um, and I would just absorb, you know, everything that they were playing. And then again, evening session with Steve Lamack and yeah. Joe Wiley, I would just absorb all of that stuff, tape things. And that was what I was really interested in. And I was musical at school, like I played the guitar, but I didn't do it through school. I learned it. And then I was in a band at school, but it was a source of shame to be carrying a guitar around. People just take the piss. Yeah. Um, 
and I had a mate who played the piano and stuff and you, you were seen as a bit of a swatty person yeah. if you did that um whereas actually it's the coolest thing in the world that you can do yeah, works on them <laughs> so um so yeah I didn't enjoy school at all couldn't wait to leave but I ended up staying in sixth form and then I worked as a special needs school assistant at my school for a year before I went to university and honestly like yeah I I never look back at it fondly yeah. at all I'm so glad to be an adult <laughs> what, what, what did you want to be oh uh, what did I want to be yeah I wanted to be a, a like a musician a rock yeah. star like I wanted to be that but always since I was little when I was little I was like used to watch loads of comedy and be like I want to be a comedian that's the yeah. only thing I want to do and then uh, as I got older I was like mm, I'm probably a bit too shy for that I'll probably be a guitarist in a band yeah um, but then obviously that sort of stuff when you go to the careers advisor they say oh have you thought about going into nursery work or you know like there's some jobs going at the Iceland and stuff like that so I did a lot of like I just never thought I would earn a living off anything like that. I'm not a good enough musician <clears throat> to do something like that. Yeah. But in terms of writing comedy, that's actually what I'm doing now. Yeah. But I've got a full-time job. It's just my sideline at the minute. What kind of comedy was you you're growing up watching? Absolutely everything. Like the first thing I started watching was Monty Python, like the reruns and stuff. Then as I got older, it was things like the Mary Whitehouse Experience, Jack D. I remember his show coming on Channel 4. Um, oh, honestly, if you name something, the young ones like Bottom. Um, you mentioned Adam and Joe. Yeah, Adam and Joe. Yeah, I'm just going right back to to when I was little. Honestly, everything to Richard Pryor stuff. I shouldn't have been watching Ben Elton, yeah. Richard Pryor, like Frank Skinner, Fancy Football League. I could. Whose line is it anyway? Yeah. Um, any any comedy from that time I was watching. Even Vic and Bob, they were on fire then, weren't they? Oh my god! So Vic and Bob changed my life. Yeah, yeah. that was such a seeing Big Night Out on Channel Four. It's nineteen ninety one. It was it was the World Cup as well. It was, yeah. it was I think it was around Italian ninety. Because I remember being at my dad's girlfriend's house and watching a trailer for Vic and Bob while we were watching the football. That was a real magic time. Yeah. So I think maybe seven or something. Red Dwarf is another thing. Blackadder, yeah. just everything. I just absorbed it. All I would just sit and tape everything and watch yeah. it and I thought oh like one day I'd really like to be not a stand-up because I'm I couldn't do that but yeah. writing or or performing stuff and uh you know I'm sort of closer to that now than ever which is great absolutely absolutely <laughs> tell me the first record you remember buying Ruth so the, there was um let me just hold on a second I'm notes. oh yeah the first record I ever bought so We'd, I'd had records when we bought before that I'll talk about, but the first thing I ever bought with my own money was Common People by Pulp, and I was about 12, I think. I mean, what better start? What <laughs> better start? I mean, that's, that's one of the greatest records ever made. Isn't it just? And Pulp are one of my favourite bands. I was a real massive Pulp fan. Full version. Um, it's got to be the full version. got to be the full version. That's the best bit. That's yeah. the best bit, isn't it? That yeah. bit with the, yeah. you'll never understand how it feels to live your life in a minute. Oh, mate. Perfect, it it yeah. makes me a little bit emotional, that bit. Like, it does me too, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so when you play it, when you play it, you play the full version. At the club, yeah. yeah. And like, But I sometimes play the live version that they that was recorded when they stepped in for the Roses and done Glastonbury. Oh. And, like, and it builds and builds and builds. And they, they hold out that middle eight before they drop the, you'll never understand how it feels to live your life. And oh, my God. Just the coolest fucking pop star. There's not been a better pop star since Jarvis Cocker. There, I've, I've said it. 
I was I was thinking that today when I was I was just reliving like seeing the, the first time I ever saw it on top of the pop so the reason I bought the single I've just been on holiday with my family to Mallorca and we came back and my brother had been in the house looking after the house and he said there's a song that's gone in at number two in the charts it's awful you're gonna hate it you're gonna absolutely hate it so I sat down to watch uh, top of the pops that week and I saw Jarvis and I was like well this is amazing it sounds like nothing I've ever heard before you're singing in a northern accent like you look you all look like nothing I've ever seen before and I thought I need to find out more about this band so I went to um the library this was where I got most of my music from went to the Wensbury library and they all they'd got was his and hers. They hadn't got different class didn't come out until yeah. later that year. So I got his and hers. And actually, his and hers is my favourite Paul Palbin. Yeah, it's, it's got babies. Do you remember the first time? Lip, lip gloss is my favourite Paul song. Is Rasmataz uh, on intro? Say again. Is Rasmataz on intro? Yeah. Oh. oh no, I think no. Is it? I think no. Rasmataz is on the album before that. Right. Oh, an intro. You yeah, say? I think it is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Sorry, it's on intro, but yeah. yeah so, oh, Rasmataz is such a great song, mm. and I'd got for like uh, one of my birthdays like a compilation of all the videos, um, and the, like seeing the video for Rasmataz, like seeing the way that they pair it so well with the song, all of their videos, like was yeah, it, you know, just enhanced the experience yeah. of being a Port fan for me. Um, because then realising again that they had a massive back catalogue. They'd been going for years and years before they had any commercial success. I don't even know how that happened, how Comet People just came out of nowhere and got to number two. It was kept kept off the top by Robson and Jerome, as I was remembering. So everyone at my school, I was probably just going into secondary school then, all the girls are into Robson and Jerome, soldier, soldier. (laughs) We know it well. Um, And I was just into... Jarvis and Pulp and yeah so I went to Asda the Asda in um Darleston where they had a chart and usually you can't you couldn't get obscure things there yeah. but because it was number two I went and got the cassette it was 2 99 but I really like the b-side more than common people because I'd heard common people so much the b-side was underwear which is off different class and I thought yeah this is a bit of me loving this it's a bit dark it's sounds good though you know and it's there's wit there's, you know there's Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply meaning to the lyrics or there's a double meaning or it's witty and um i spy off different classes yeah. great track one of my favorites it must have been you know t- t- you said that you know you you had a, a gritty upbringing you know yeah. in, uh, in in the midlands and then you know obsessed with you know sharp comedy as well i mean jarvis is the perfect hybrid of both of them things right it's mike lee to music right and that's the first time I've ever really thought about it like that because yeah. I think at the time when I was so into pulp, I didn't even think about class or you know um, where I'd come from because it's just my life. It was just the way I'd, I'd grown up. Yeah. But now you said that, I think, oh yeah, actually, it makes perfect sense because yeah. now I can. At the time when he's talking about various things, like in Ice Boy, he says, "Take a year in Provence and shove it up your ass." Well, I mean, I was a twelve-year-old girl, so I'm like, "Well, I know it was on telly." And, I think yeah. it was John Thor in it. That's all I could think. <laughs> but, but now I'm older and I go back, I'm like, I totally get all the things that you are yeah. talking about. It wasn't just, you know, um, just some, something I was I was enjoying on some level. There's yeah. another level to it now where I can fully understand it. Oh, love it. Love it. Uh, we're gonna can go I just to- say as well, that was a fantastic year for music, 1995. Oh, yeah. don't, don't get me started. Don't get me started. Yes, McCarmen and Butler. Oh, fucking hell. Ruth, I've got a level with you, right? When you sent these songs over, I thought to myself, right, don't talk too much. Let the guests talk, right? But you've chose so many fucking records that have been so important to me, right? I'd done a 90s night last Sunday at the Toothbrush, right? And my first track I played was Yes by McCormick and Butler because it's the perfect fucking record. It's like... it. David McCormick's voice breaks me in half it just goes and goes and goes it's got ev- that song's got i did not expect that from a geezer from suede i was like whoa yeah. has he just swallowed phil specter like this is just <laughs> huge and it was oh it's perfect that should have been a number one record oh it's so good and that was probably like the second single i bought it yeah. was so i saw that and again looking like no, nothing I'd ever seen before, yeah. like sounding amazing. It's like a sort of um, Dusty Springfield yeah. song. So yeah. you want it. It's a little flute in the background. Yeah. What an amazing song. Yeah. Like, yeah, I can't. What, can, what more can I say that you yeah. just Oh, mate, it was it was a, such an exciting year. And it was it's a really weird year because to, to sort of put it in, in context for someone that was DJing then, you know, I I kind of started at my club in the beginning of the nineties when it was like kind of the the Seattle stuff was happening and was getting the kind of like the the, the carryover from the sort of tail end of Manchester. But it was all very there was lots of kind of Midlands bands. It was all the Wonder Stuff, Neds, and and stuff like that it was all huge. Yeah. Um, the t shirt bands and um, and then it all of the alternative clubs were still very alternative. But in nineteen ninety five, I kind of guess in the wake of Oasis and Blur and all of a sudden, other people were going, oh, no, I quite like this music now. And like, and those people that kind of bought 
definitely maybe or bought Park Life. Before you know it, they're buying different class or they're buying Supergrass records and Blue Tones records. And then all of a sudden, they're, they're going, oh, yeah, it's all right. I think that kind of year, there was that kind of weird sort of, you know, sort of lad stuff that really sort of kicked in. And uh, and it was, it was a, it felt, it's really weird. I mean, I've, I've read a quote from Noel Gallagher that he said, he remember walking on at, at Nebworth. And as he walked out there, he said, I think I've systematically killed the indie scene because he took it to the football terraces. He took it to everywhere. And all of a sudden, geezers were like into, you know, I was just like, they can't like Bell and Sebastian, they're mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's, you know, I was thinking, it's funny you mentioned that because I was thinking about this as I was thinking about like that year for music and remembering that it was the whole, so shortly after Pulp came out with that, it was the whole role with it and yeah. controls blurring Oasis. And thinking there were boys at my school who were into indie music, yeah. but there was no sensitivity there. It was all about aggression. Yeah. <laughs> there was, you know, and I was thinking these guys, and they were into the Verve as well. Like, so the Verve, Oasis, Blur, the Smiths and stuff. And it's like, but it, they were horrible. They were horrible, you know, mm. laddie lads. And you're right, like it was just, um, it became sort of something different at that point. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Although uh, A Girl Like You by Edwin Collins did come out and that's another great song. Oh, it's a that's on my list. <laughs> what a joke. Have you got any more you want to shout out from 95? Because I've got all day, mate. Like, if you're Have talking you 95, <laughs> get them out there, honestly. Just, just well, I just made a note of a few, but um, I've got, it was uh, after... The next week's chart, Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me by U2, yep. which is a great song. But um, have you got any you want to shout out? I've done all mine now. Oh, God, off the top of my head, no. But do you know what? It was like, it, it just, uh, to DJ then, it at the time, it felt like the most exciting thing ever. It felt like, oh, hang on, everyone loves his music now. And, and unfortunately, it felt like it never kind of went back underground. It just kind of, I think as you come out of that sort of mid-90s, the indie thing just kind of went a bit, a bit sort of acoustic. It all went to sort of Star Sailor Turing breaks, Coldplay, and yeah. and it just got a little flat. And uh, and I, I like some of them bands, but um, it didn't feel like it had the excitement of what was going on a few years earlier. And uh, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it was really, and it was really quite. When I was looking at the charts earlier, it was really like a diverse chart. I mean, in the same chart, you've got M People, Search for the Hero, in that in that month, and then um, you know uh, that song is started again, Nightcrawlers. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like it's Friday. Then <laughs> that was in there, and then you've got that side by side with more sort of obscure indie stuff. Yeah. But yeah, a great time. Uh, and that was around the time as well. They did, oh yeah, they did a thing called Brick Pop Now. Did you ever watch that on BBC Two? Echo Belly, Sleeper. That's it. Jean, yeah. Marilyn, oh, Supergraph, oh. Hoda. Like, like, I'm going to tell you my Jean story, right? Please do. Do you know who follows me on Twitter? Martin oh, um, Rossiter. Rossiter. Right. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> when I set this podcast up, right, I, I had two guests that I wanted to get on, right? And it, I, I set up that they were my dream guest was going to be Johnny Marr and Maxine Peake. Right? I've been really lucky that I got to talk to Maxine Peake. I've not had Johnny on yet. But then the other person that I thought, well, he's just gone to grand. No one's ever heard of him was Martin Rossett from Gene, because I love Gene. I went to this podcast show thing in London and uh, to do this little live thing with one of my other pods. And I was, and this one of the people that come to watch it was chatting to her afterwards and, 
She was like, who would you like to have on off the beaten track? I said, do you know what, Martin Rossiter. I said, I can't find him anywhere. I'd love to speak to Martin Rossiter. And I went, right, I've got to go anyway. And as I walked out the door, I physically bumped into Martin Rossiter. No way. And so that kind of face you just pulled there, that kind of wide-eyed no way, was exactly what I'd done in Martin Rossiter's face. <laughs> like he also was in on it. I was like, fucking hell, Martin Rossiter. And he just looked terrified. <laughs> and I was like, mate, this is meant to be. And he was just like, mate, what, are you all right? And I was like, yes, I've just been telling someone I really wanted to meet you and talk to you. And he was like, okay. And then I calmed down and explained it. And then, yeah, went down to Brighton and and, uh, and interviewed him. And he was lovely. But uh, oh, it was good. a very, very surreal moment, probably more so for him. But uh, oh, that Britpop Now show, though, was fucking amazing. Yeah, I taped it off the telly again when I heard it was going to be on because I knew Pulp were going to be on. But again, that introduced me to other bands I didn't know. Like PJ Harvey was on there. I hadn't yeah. heard anything. Well, menswear on there. Menswear were on there. I was a menswear fan. Yeah, they're, they're, they're um, they always used to come to me club. They're they're all Essex boys. And, uh, oh, are they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, and the, the show ended, like, so Blur was on there, obviously, and the show ended with um, Common People, yeah. which is like, you know, yeah. something on a great performance. But, yeah, it was that sort of, it just it just felt really exciting. Yeah. I mean, more probably exciting for you because you were living it. I was, you know, I wasn't in Camden going down the Good Mixer. Oh. I was in Darleston, a <laughs> little, like, girl just thinking oh yeah this is great yeah one day maybe i'll move to london we, we would are. actually do that i'd never moved to london but we did once a week we'd drive up to camden we've just had little demo tapes of our band and we'd just be walking around a good mixer trying to find andy ross from food records seeing who was there and you'd always see someone from an indie band just sort of like just kind of probably wanting to be seen actually and like and we'd be like, oh look can you give that to your record company and they'd be like yeah yeah yeah, yeah no worries but it, it did feel very exciting being a I suppose I would have been about 18 19 just going up there and and it was all happening in that little sort of circle of of, of London it was it was very exciting that's like the ideal age isn't it yeah oh, but I went to the good mix there for like the first time only about six months ago because um I was going somewhere with some friends and we needed to go for a drink somewhere and I thought oh this is it I thought it'd be I remember sending fan mail to menswear at the good mixer you had to send it to the good mixer <laughs> So I was sending, oh, I love you. I love, I love Daydreamer. I think it's great. <laughs> anyway. Fantastic. Do you know what, though? Like, I went in there about a year ago, and it's exactly the same. It, that's exactly how it was in the 90s. Oh, really? Yeah, just a pool table and a great jukebox, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. Right. Let's go clubbing. Tell me the song that soundtracked your years clubbing, please. Well, I'm going to go into, like, a preamble. <laughs> Okay. Before, do you want me to just tell you the song first? It's up to you. Um, so I'm in two minds about what song I'm going to settle on. I sent you a few choices, but I think I'm going to settle on either. Uh, there's kind of similar, MGMT, Electric Feel, mm. or Haste of Jealous Lovers by The Rapture. Mm. Maybe the latter. Um, but it's not necessarily like cut and dry because I had a few like genres of clubbing. So in the early 2000s, uh, I used to go to a night in Wolverhampton at the Civic Hall called Corrosion, and that was metal, new metal, because metal and new metal, because all my friends, I hanged around, I was in a band with like some guys, and they were just all into that. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try and be into this as much as I can. 
So I was really into Nirvana, but it's not the same as, you know, um, new metal or metal. Yeah. They were into things like Metallica, Korn, um, Slipknot, stuff that I don't, I just could never get on board with. But it was <laughs> huge then, that music, wasn't it? It, was, it yeah. was the biggest thing out there. It was, it was. So it's like, okay, if I can't, I was like, if I can't find something that's like, a group that totally fits that then the next best thing is metal like for me to and you know I like the Deftones but it was all a bit po-faced for me I like a bit of you know a, a bit of wittiness to the lyrics I mean you can I, I like the Blood End Gang because they were quite funny but yeah. and I love Tenacious D I'm a big Tenacious D fan but um but yeah so I'd go to that but then um then sort of after I left started working in Birmingham then emo was the thing a few years later. And I used to go to a club called The Planet again in Wolverhampton with a few friends I'd made who were into emo. And let me tell you, I absolutely hated every second of it. Found the music boring. Uh, the, the thing that, <clears throat> the track that's saying, sorry, I'm just gonna have a drink. The, <clears throat> the track that's saying tracks, I'm gonna have to cough, sorry. <laughs> 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 sorry, the track that's saying tracks that, me not enjoying any of that is Panic at the Disco. I wrote Sins Not Tragedy. I just find it very obnoxious. And then after that, I got into, met more people who were into sort of indie music. Again, not exactly the sort of thing I was into, but it would be Snobs in Birmingham, the club I would go to, yeah. which is famous Birmingham Indie Club. The Killers, Oasis, Arctic Monkeys, The Strokes, which was kind of, you know, good enough for me. Um, and it was around that time that they would play stuff like MGMT, Electric Feel, or the Rapture. They're the they're the sort of stand out tracks. Yeah. But I'm not look again, not really looking back at that time in a in a positive way. I'm kind of like, okay, if I had to pick the best of yeah. probably the best night I ever had is when I went out to a pub in Birmingham and they played Jumping the Lion by Ari Belafonte. And that was amazing. Yeah. Like that was really exciting. But it, I wouldn't say it's soundtrack those days because it wasn't played, but I also, I learned to DJ as well. And I did a few DJ nights. Um, I was in this feminist DJ group in Birmingham. This girl put an advert on Facebook saying, hey, women, do you want to learn to DJ? And I was like, yes, please. So they taught me, but then I was like, I wasn't really accepted by that group either <laughs> because you were only supposed to play female artists which I'd done, but none of us really discussed what we were going to play for some reason. Like I'd only met the girls once. And then the girl who was running the thing put me on at 7 p.m. And I had all bangers ready to go. So I was playing like Fuck the Pain Away by Peaches at 7.25 p.m. Too early. No one, no one, but like, no one discussed it with me. I didn't know. Um, and then I played Milkshake by Calice, and then after the night had finished, the girl who ran the group sent in a, like a passive aggressive Facebook message saying, if I ever hear that song, I have to leave the room. It's disgusting. Because I guess the premise of the song is I'm trying to attract men and yeah. I'm, you know, more attracted to me, but I hadn't even, I just thought, we're some banger though. Yeah. So when I realised that that, like, it wasn't fun, I thought DJing would be fun. Mm. It wasn't fun for me. It was actually very stressful. I kind of stopped I kind of stopped doing it after that. But what I enjoyed about it was being able to play whatever I wanted. Whereas when I would go to an indie club, it's like, oh, it's Mr. Brightside again. It's, oh, it's, you know. Yeah, cool. Last night by the Strokes again. I'm sure your DJ sets aren't like that. No, I just play them two records pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're crowd pleasers. It is is a tough one because you do 
as a DJ, you, it, I think it's just because for for every record I play that isn't Mr. Brightside, I will get asked by the next generation of young kids coming through the club for Mr. Bright. You think, my God, like he's not sick of this record yet. But but yeah, I think as a DJ, as long as you kind of just give them a few that they want to hear, you can kind of then sort of play your own stuff and, and just kind of not give too much away, retain a bit of integrity in that and just kind of get the balance right. It's, it's not easy. And I mean, starting off in a feminist DJ collective, like, I mean, I fucking love La Tigra, but there's only got so many records you can play, ain't there? <laughs> right? Echo Beach, we've heard it. We've heard Echo Beach. We've heard Chicks on Speed, we know. I yeah. Mean, I love, yeah, La Tigra, exactly. Mm. Uh, Slater Kinney, okay fine you know you've got to go somewhere yeah um so i found it a bit um restrictive yeah uh, and i just i didn't expect it to be so policed in the yeah. way it was i think the girl who ran it absolutely detested me so i just left i said do you know what i've realized this isn't really for me yeah so I did a couple of things on my own like um my mate ray i used to book me to do pub gigs and stuff and i did someone's wedding um but i was a bit haphazard i used to stop the track like while it was playing i just forget what i was doing i played beck at the wrong speed and someone was like why is this song just things like that um well you know the people enjoyed it so if john peel would have played it at the wrong speed everyone would have just gone this that's what a fucking maverick move like yeah oh my that's so true, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I'm gonna go with Electric Feel. Electric Feel is and and House of Jealous Lovers. They're two songs I do really like. Mm. Um, but they just remind me of of just thinking, oh, I wish I was at home. <laughs> they're, they're the best ones. They're the best ones. <laughs> <laughs> what a night! Uh, oh, I know. I, I know. Well, I don't. I don't do it anymore. The best thing for me is if you go to a pub and then there's a DJ on, and you go to the pub maybe after work. And then it ends up being a sort of, you know, a late one where they're playing tunes and everyone gets up and dances and it's there's not that sort of we're going to a night yeah. thing. But I've the best nights are always like that, right? The ones that oh, just yeah. kind of happen rather than planned 100%. Yeah. I'm going to take you home. And uh, <laughs> for track six, favourite song from an artist from your home county, please. So I was going to go with, I know I changed my mind. I flip-flopped on this. I said it was going to be Terry Hall chasing a rainbow. Right. But I think I'm going to stick with my original choice, which was Goodbye to Jane by Slade. Mm. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> so just because I, I love Terry Hall, we've touched on him earlier. I think he's amazing. Had all of his stuff. And Chasing a Rainbow, I saw on the chart show, taped it off the telly. It's the first thing I'd ever seen by him. Went to Sunday Records in Warsaw to buy the CD because they didn't have it in Asda, obviously, because I don't think it charted. Maybe it's number 40, something like that. And uh, just became obsessed with him after that. But he's from Coventry, and I know it's from my county, and I want to represent the black country yeah. where Slade are from. So Noddy Holder was born just up the road from me in a place called Karma in, near Warsaw, near Darleston, where I was born. My mum was asked out by Dave Hill when she was younger. So it's what? like... Yeah, so <laughs> So it's like a big thing. And I don't think the black country always gets sort of lumped in with Birmingham, which is just so wrong because we are very culturally different. Like we don't in the black country where I'm from, you'll still see a horse like tied up outside a pub. You will. There's no takeaway coffees. No one got a Costa. It's like takeaway coffees are regarded with suspicion. One word witchcraft. 
That's the way, that's the way they see it. So I need to I need to represent Slade. And I didn't know that much about them until I watched Reeves and Mortimer and saw him do Slade in residence. And that was just amazing to hear them talking like me and people that you know, and that I really enjoyed that. It was really funny. And again, a sense of fun with Slade, like, you know, a sense of humour, don't take themselves too seriously. But they've got some absolutely cracking tunes. Huge tunes. And Huge. like, let, let's talk about Noddy's voice. Yeah, <laughs> Noel Gallagher's quote, I've, I've quoted Noel Gallagher twice already, and I'm not even a particular Oasis fan, <laughs> but he does say good quotes. Uh, when, he asked him, uh, when he was asked about Slade, he went... They write fucking great songs and look like fucking Diddy Men. And I just thought, mate, that's Slade. <laughs> they look like fucking Diddy Men that write bangers. That's so true. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Yeah, just just love them. And I always uh, said more recently that if I was a, uh, you know, a darts, darts player, I'd want Goodbye to Jane to be my walkout music because it's got to be a goer. Yeah. No, it's a shame it's not goodbye to Ruth because that would make it perfect. But, you know, <laughs> it's like just really, really goes. And then I said that or either anything by the Nightingales. Um, mm. They're a black. Well, I know that Rob Lloyd is um, from Cannock. I don't know if the rest of them are from the Black Country, but they're a fairly recent addition to uh, the kind of the, the bands that I like because I only heard of them. It was just before actually Stuart Lee did King Rocker. If yeah. you've seen it. So just I actually heard about him before then, and then I watched that, and I was like, okay, well, they're amazing. Yeah. I actually went to see him live at the Lexington last year. Stuart Lee was stood right in front of me, but I was too scared to speak to him because I love him so much. But it was an amazing gig. Like drums were really loud, yeah. like uh, just really, you know, urgency in the songs, and like that feeling of uh, just kind of just sort of doing their own thing, like the fall, you know, yeah. and just. Someone just saying words. They had Ted Ted Chippington yep. supporting them, and that was really great as well. So yeah, and any and I'm proud to say that they're from the Black Country yeah. and Slade as well. So you know, it's not all skips on fire. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Fantastic choice. Last track, Ruth. I'm going to ask you to tell me a song that you think many people may not know that you would like them to hear. Well, I really wanted to pick something that no one had heard. And I think I've probably done this. I've picked Play That Funky Horn by Roy Chubby Brown, the comedian. Okay. I mean, have you just chosen it because no one's heard it? Or have you cho- is there a reason to this? I've chosen it because um, I stumbled across it. And I d- this is not to say I think it's good. I just think everyone should hear it. Yeah. I just think everyone should hear it. Because if you thought... That Roy Chubby Brown's music career ended when he did Smokey, uh, Who the Fuck is Alice in 1995. There's a tune from 1995 I forgot to mention. You think that was the start and end of his musical career. You're wrong. Mm. Because I was looking for something on Spotify for like a joke with um, a speaker, like a wireless speaker. I wanted to play some stand-up Roy Chubby Brown through it. And I ended up finding out that he's done three albums called Friends. Friends 1, Friends 2, Friends 3. And they're serious songs. And you wouldn't believe it, Stu. I looked him up again today. He's done a fourth one. He's just put a fourth one out. So many friends. (laughs) Who knew? Who knew? Uh, So Play That Funky Horn is, I picked, I just listened to some of the songs on Friends 3 and I picked that one because it just sounds 
like, I don't want to say shit, but because he's doing his thing, but it's just mad that it's Roy Chubby Brown. Like, it's that's just you just do not associate him with with doing serious music. If someone played me that, I could have five hundred thousand guesses, and I would never say Roy Chubby Brown. Like, exactly. It's it's all right. It's like it it just sounds like a kind of kind of a little bit of a sort of disco sort of funk track, really. Um, yeah. It's it sort of holds its own, which is surreal. We're talking about Roy Chubby Brown. It's very very odd, and yeah, I mean, there's some other questionable stuff on his Spotify, but but that track, <laughs> do you know what? Go go check it out. And uh, and yeah, let us uh, let us know what you think because uh, it's all right. I would encourage any of uh, your listeners to just go and have a look, and you'll be amazed. Because I play it to people, and they're like, "What the hell?" Like they can't believe what they're hearing. Yeah, I feel like I've stumbled upon something like that no one else has, and yeah. I feel like you know a song that you think few people have heard that they need to hear. I thought, what else can I say? There's loads of songs that your listenership's probably already heard. They won't have heard anything quite like this, though. 100%. Did you play that the night that you got thrown out of the Feminist DJ Collective? I wish I bloody had, <laughs> eh? I wish I'd played from a stand-up show and what it's really like to be offended, yeah? Hey, if you're offended by Milkshake, by police, this. you better... You do- you don't want to hear about his wife's fanny, do you? That's, that's the thing Honest to God, seriously, I'm still really angry about that. Anyway, yeah. Um, oh, wonderful. Ruth, we put together a Spotify playlist so people can go and listen to, uh, I can't believe I'm saying this, we put together a Spotify playlist so people can go and listen to Roy Chubby Brand amongst uh, some absolutely, if you stumble across this playlist by accident, it's fucking surreal because there's so many great records and then, yeah, you've got Roy Chubby Brand uh, just closing proceedings. Um, but I've got to be honest, as I said to you earlier, you've chose so many fucking great records today that uh, got me super, super hyped because... Yeah, so many of them mean quite a lot to me as well. So, yeah, it's been an absolute uh, delight talking records with you, mate. Um, What's happening? And if people want to keep up to speed with what's happening, where do they go? So, what's happening? Uh, Well, I've just done my first, like, bit of writing for Joe Lysett's show, which has been amazing. I've really enjoyed doing that. So, like, I'm happy to do writing for anyone who wants to employ me to write on their show. You can find me at, on Twitter, at Dank underscore Ackroyd. My name is Ruth Husko, though. So, uh, you can find me there. Uh, um, The other thing I'm doing is, I don't know if it's a secret. It's probably not a secret. I'm just working uh, to do a pitch for something for BBC Sounds. Um, but that's just still in the the works at the minute. So, yeah, I'm tweeting and I'm writing and uh, working on stuff. Yeah, just keep up with me on Twitter. Um, I'm on Instagram as well, Ruth underscore Husko. Um, and, yeah, just uh, find me on Twitter and enjoy my tweets. I had to set up a new account, but, uh, yeah, you can find me there. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, if it's cool with you, when this comes out, we'll um, we'll tag you in it so people can come and find you if they haven't done already. Yeah, great. Ruth, thanks so much, mate. I'm going to I press stop. It. Don't go anywhere. Okay. <laughs> there you go, Ruth Husko. Oh, what a delightful guest. We carried on nattering for a good 15 minutes afterwards as well. There was some ace chat, had their great records, and, um, and yeah, what uh, an absolutely wonderful guest. Um... 
as I mentioned at the beginning, go check out that back catalogue because there's hundreds of episodes all to be enjoyed for free. If you want to support the podcast, it costs you 70p a month. It's a dollar. Um, and that's over on Patreon. And if you head over to there, patreon.com forward slash off the beaten track, um, you can get access to hundreds of stuff. Loads of radio shows I've done, loads and loads of episodes. You can watch all the episodes. Um, I'll put the videos up over there. And you can also come to the monthly live show. And that's a really lovely thing. You know, you all come along and uh, we pick one of the questions from the pod and you all jump on Zoom and we all have a little natter about them tracks and you know the nostalgia attached to them and the stories and stuff and it's a really really lovely little thing that we've got going over there and um, if you if you're feeling a little bit shy and you don't want to get involved it's fine you can have your camera off if you want you know do it however you please but if you want to get involved it's your opportunity to jump on off the beaten track and, and have a good old chat about records right I'm back next time thanks once again to Ruth thanks to you lot for listening um, I'll see you next time in the meantime be nice to each other I'll see you soon bye bye